I had a stepdad for a cup of coffee, you know, for a little bit. Two two um, sisters. Yeah, two older sisters. You know, it takes a village. Hillary Clinton. For sure. (laughs) Yo, a stepdad for a cup of coffee is fucking hilarious. (laughs) That is is an amazing phrase. Sounds like a great, like, folk indie band out of Austin. <laughs> Stepdad for a cup of coffee. Oh my god, bro, that's got to be the title of this pod. I have no idea where we're even going with this pod, but that's got to be the title, no matter what. Uh, <laughs> uh, should we talk sports? Or I mean, we're kind of vibing, but I mean, yeah, it's up to you guys. I'll tell you who's not vibing: the vets and the rooks on the dubs. <laughs> Transition. I like it. Um, so a week ago we were kind of ambitious on our hopes for what the Warriors could be. This was in the midst of what ended up being a five-game winning streak, and then they proceeded to drop back-to-back road games to the Lakers, to OKC. This team has been god-awful on the road all year, and at some point, you just got to... You can be an anomaly for a while, but at some point, it's just who you are, and they suck on the road. They're what? Nine and 29. So bad. Who's worse than that in that league? Like Detroit? <laughs> I don't know. They're setting so many records for defending champs and the way they're playing. Like the record, th- this could be, they-, they could match the bullets as far as if they go on a run to win. I mean, I, I, as a fan, as a follower, I, I don't believe that they are going to be able to make this run in the playoffs the way, I mean, how the, how they give you those flashes and it's always at home they give you that hope um but once they hit the road it's just a completely different team and like we all know obviously playoffs you got to win one two on the road you know what i mean like i don't see them being able to win one series and i and i feel like you can lose a series like if it on the road in the first game or two where like you that you just know like you ain't coming here and beating us like there's just no shot yeah and if that's instilled then it, it's already done psychologically and and i think and i think this road thing is a psychological thing just as much as anything it is at this point so now you know anytime that they have to leave leave the building leave home it's going to be a struggle they know that it's, well it's, and, and think about think about the the reverse of that psychology too to to opponents like knowing that this team cannot win on the road gives teams such an extra bounce and extra extra life when they come and play the warriors at home because they know that they're tripped up over this they know that it's it's in their head they know that they have that one up psychologically on them before tip-off even starts like these teams like okc even the grizzlies last year how they were on their rise and we've talked about it they've kind of fall from grace you know with john moran in the last few weeks but if you really look at those teams, like the Warriors were always, we're not, we're not worried. Come playoff time, we're going to figure it out. You don't want to see us in a seven-game series. Now these fringe teams that could be borderline play-in teams, you know, eight, seven seeds, are, aren't going to be worried facing the Warriors. Yeah, so the three teams that are worse than the Warriors this season on the road, Detroit, San Antonio, and your Houston Rockets, all teams in the Wembenyama sweepstakes. So, um, all teams that the Warriors have lost to on the road. That's rough. That's really rough. Um, but listen, if there's one team I'm not worried about stuff getting to their head, 
it would be this Golden State Warriors team if we get Wiggins back, GP2. They could still make a run, but it might be too little too late. You never know. You never know. I I, don't, I, do, I, I, do, I do think ahead. you have a point with the veteran presence handling the road a little bit better. I do think that these road issues are a lot to do because this has been such a – unique season for the Warriors where they're leaning on young guys more than they've ever more than ever. And they really don't have a stable core, like, you know, the, the David West, the Sean Livingston, they don't have those backups that can come in, manage a game, manage a road game, win a few in a row. Like these guys are developing as we're trying to make a playoff push with these injuries to our core guys. Like, yeah, it's going to be a struggle. And Steph is going to have to reintegrate. That's going to throw guys off rhythm. It's going to be a tough run if they're going to make a, a push. Who knows? Maybe they catch a vibe in the first round and they do what they do. I mean, that's what's crazy about these guys is it's, you know, if they get a, if they get in rhythm and they start flowing, like anything's possible with how they how they can get it going. But it's not I looking mean, like they can right now. Yeah, and with these road woes, like you have 16 games remaining. Nine of those 16 are on the road. You may not even make the playoffs. That's what I'm saying. Like, you could play yourself out of the playoffs with this. Like, they need yeah. to figure it out. Like, it's crunch time right now. And, like, we've heard Draymond on his podcast say before, like, oh, how am I supposed to get up for a Tuesday night game against OKC? Like, when I've when I've won four championships, when I've went against LeBron, when I've gone against the Celtics, like, how am I supposed to get up for these games? It's almost like it's it's almost like the championship pedigree has hurt them and has helped them right like like that pedigree they know when when they get into playoffs when they get into that crunch time situation like they've been there before their their pedigree can carry them through but at the same time it's almost been their their kryptonite where it's oh i don't need to get up for these games because once we're in the playoffs we'll be fine i think you're i think you're going deep dive on this i think it's as simple as this the warriors front office missed on betting on the future they missed. They did. We'll see what Kaminga is. He's been a great role player this season. He's looking better and better, stronger as the season goes on. He looks really good. But Wiseman's out of here. Moody is barely getting minutes. I don't even know. They have some light-skinned dude, like number seven or something, number nine. I don't even know. Um, and I've been watching these games. I don't even know who he is, but he's getting minutes. Anthony Lamb. Huh? PB&J? You're talking about uh, Patrick Baldwin Jr.? Probably. I have no idea who that fucking guy is. Like, and that's what I'm saying. Like they, they should have in, in retro. And this is easy to say in retrospect, because these guys looked promising last year, but in retrospect where they missed is not bringing in some dudes on a veterans minimum and getting some guys that could come in and spell stuff could spell Dre clay, all that. Let Jordan Poole run with that second squad and surround him with some, Vets and they didn't, they bet on their future and they missed. And that's, I don't think it comes down to is Draymond engaged, all this. I think it really boils down to they are, they have been injured all season. They're missing guys right now and their young dudes just did not perform the way they anticipated. And they kind of put all their eggs in one basket there. But you see, like in, in the most recent games, like when the young guys are on the court and Arguably, they have to be right now. I mean, with Curry coming back, it's a little bit less. But with Curry out, Wiggins out, GP2 out, like you had to play these young guys to kind of weather the storm. 
And when these guys make mistakes, you see Draymond, you see Clay throw up their hands, you see everyone just all the old guys get pissed off. And it's I mean, last night you saw you saw Draymond give up on a play when he didn't get passed to by Jordan Poole. Like just purely at the top of the key, gave up. And like no one, no one reprimands him for it. It's it's not disconnected. It's oh, they've been on injury. It's like these these two timelines, these young guys, these old guys aren't clicking. They haven't been all year. And there, there's heavy discourse on this team that no one really wants to talk about. Like, I, I think one of the biggest factors in any championship professional team has to be chemistry. It has to be team chemistry. You look back at the the Giants back in the early 2000s or like the mid-2000s run. Like, those teams weren't necessarily box office great, but they had crazy chemistry. Like, those Warriors teams back in the day had crazy. Yeah, they're great, but they had crazy chemistry. This team doesn't seem to even like each other. Like, I don't feel like this team goes out and gets lunches on days off or goes to the club together. Like, they're in their own groups once they leave Chase Center. Now, I know we're talking about the elite of the elite, but it was not fun to play with Jordan. It wasn't fun to play with Kobe. There wasn't a ton of harmonious chemistry going on yes. in those teams, and they were dominant. And there, I do think that there's also the other end of that where there can be creative tension. And I think when you create a friction point and everyone is on their P's and Q's, right? Everyone's operating at this elevated level because they know that it's, you know, you either it's do or die. And I, I and I, I think, but I do think that both are can be true. I think that both have a place. And I and I hear what you're saying. And I, so my question, not to get too far down the road, I want to ask both of you guys is. What do you think? Where do you think the Warriors go from here? The window that they have is clearly closing. The core is getting well into their mid to late thirties. What's the plan? Well, I think I think the first thing to figure out is Bob Myers sticking around, right? Because if he's not there, I have no fucking idea because they have some major decisions to make this year. You got Draymond coming due. You got Clay coming due in two years. Right. Like there are some major decisions to be made this offseason. They paid Jordan Poole a ton of money and he has been good in moments, but he hasn't been great this season. You know, um, and so I, I think the, the question is what happens with Bob Myers and then everything after that? <laughs> I don't really I don't know what the answer is when when you think about the teams that have won. It was when, you know, it, it was with veterans coming in. Like an Andre Iguodala, Sean Livingston, a Zaza Pachulia, for example, right? Like um, Otto Porter Jr. last year, GP2 last year, these older veteran players, not to say GP2's old, but he had been, he's been in the league for long enough to be considered a vet. He, you know, I think it was his fifth or sixth season. Um, so professionals coming in and they're not going to get punked by Draymond or Steph or Clay, right? Like, they're going to have a certain level of respect walking in that door because they've done it. You know what I mean? And these younger guys, all they've known is, you know, the older dudes all holding up their four rings after they got their rings, letting them know, showing the younger guys, I got all four. You know what I mean? Like there is a dichotomy and I don't know how you bridge that gap. Uh, but having more of a veteran presence, I do believe would help. But I think, I mean, Steve Kerr alluded to it. This, this might be our last run with this core and you got to keep Steph. Steph can never play in another Jersey. You got to give him the Kobe deal at the end. If you have to, I know it's, it's bad, whatever, 
basketball, but it's great business. You got it. Whatever you got to do to retain stuff. And I think Bob Myers is your priority. Yeah, I would agree. And, and, and I, I think, I think that's what it comes down to. And that's kind of where, where my sentiments lie as well. I think that Draymond and clay, you know, you, you, you making more of a business decision with Steph in the long run, like that's going to be an ambassador for the Warriors franchise. Yeah. He's the greatest player we've ever had as the, as an organization, he's going to usher in the next, you know, 25 years of warrior basketball when they do go through the next iteration and, and, and their window opens. Um, he I built think, that arena and they have that arena. Yeah. Exactly. You know what I mean? That was built because of Steph Curry. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure that you'll end up sliding in like a Buster Posey type of, you know, investor role with the with the club and, and have a say there. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. You know, I mean, as a fan, I, I'm super grateful for what we got to watch. But I'm also really interested to see how they navigate the next five to ten years as, a, as an organization and, and what they plan on doing. And, and I, I think it's going to be fascinating. Yeah, I mean screw five to ten years for me i'm i'm interested in the next couple years yeah. really because draymond draymond being able to opt in or opt out next year you have like Jero says you have clay coming up in a couple years obviously curry you 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 whatever it's going to take you have to retain him i mean there's talks with with divincenzo being such like a gp2 type player this year they got him for for a bag of peanuts with a player option of like five million he has played way above that this year, so yeah. we're not going to be able to retain him for his salary. He's gonna he's effectively gonna be GP two and go get ten to fifteen million from some other team next year. Yeah. Like we're really and and we're constantly over the luxury tax. So it's like is the ownership group gonna constantly pay this crazy luxury tax to have these guys on the team when they're producing thirty two and thirty three season? You know what I mean? Like that it's it's it it's not feasible right like you, you can't keep all these guys like draymond has to go to me like you you have to let draymond go you you hope that he doesn't opt in because that type of money frees up two to three good veteran players that can maybe not supplement everything that draymond does but you have um why, why am i blanking on um looney you have <laughs> you have looney still like you have guys that can fill in what Draymond gives you in two or three guys that isn't going to be $30 million. I, I think you're kind of undervaluing what Draymond is for that team. No. I think he sets everything up offensively and defensively. And I think that's really like just his mastery and knowledge. Last night of he had one rebound. That's fair. How is that setting up anything, dude? I, I had one re like I'm okay with you getting your four points a game like I don't care if you're a scorer but if you're you're this profound self-proclaimed everything runs through me center of the universe of this offense you got to be doing more than throwing up your hands when Jordan Poole misses a pass like it's it's asinine to me to think that I feel like Draymond is riding out on on his laurel resting on his laurels in the fact that like yeah you have four champions yeah you've been a defensive player of the year yeah you've you've been the glue guy over the years but i don't feel like that's so much the case anymore since the punch that really hasn't been the case he's not been able to been be his boisterous self he's not playing well this team isn't playing well with him the defense isn't doing anything so what truly is he is he bringing to the team anymore I think there needs to be a reconciliation among Warriors fans that this is this thing's over, and 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 I think that it, this is the, this is the the beginning of the end, 
And I think that we're going to see it next year. And yeah, it's going to be really interesting without Draymond in a Warriors uniform. And I think this team is going to look extremely different and, and we're going to see how it rides out in the next two to three years. But yeah, I mean, he's going to go play with LeBron. Yeah. And I, what I'm more interested too is if he leaves the the Russell Wilson effect. How many how many players are going to come out and say, "God, I hated playing with that dude." Or on the flip side, how many podcasts is Draymond going to put out where he couldn't do what he wanted to do with the Warriors? And this is why, like, there's going to be a smear campaign one way or the other from Draymond. Well, I think a lot of the stuff with Draymond is already out. People talk about openly about how he can be difficult. I mean, like we've heard it from the players and coaching staff. Like he knows it. That's why he's in the league because he's that way, right? Like he had to be an asshole to get to where he is. Um, so yeah, no, I'm I'm with you guys. This is gonna be really, really interesting. All right, so let's get to your guys, um, your your true your true desire, your your one and only your your beloved golf. Let's talk some golf. Let's transition off dude hold on before before we jump in because it is players championship week uh weekend coming up tomorrow but 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 we have an announcement to make i think last weekend we got dro to waver and flip and now he watches golf on television dro um yeah I loved it. Uh, Kurt Kitayama, Chico boy. Uh, when I saw he was in it, that was a crazy Sunday, bro. God, that, that was amazing. Fucking insane. Um, there was a five-way tie with like, uh, yeah, I think it was a five-way tie with everyone eight under at one point. It was just fucking nuts. Um, but yeah, when I had, when I had, uh, a, a Chico boy to root for, and knowing that he had a chance, he was he was uh, atop the leaderboard. I had to tune in for that. But listen, I stand by my statement that I think it's brilliant that and just so masterful and skillful of the cameraman to be able to track that ball in the air. It's still <laughs> the most pointless fucking shot in any sport. Like, I don't know where that is going when it's just the ball in blue sky. That helps me not at all. But that's besides the point. Last Sunday was really fun. I'm not I'm not yet ready to start jumping into Thursday through Sunday golf. But I think I could start to be a Sunday golf guy. Now that NFL has gone, I think I could start to jump in, throw, throw some, uh, you know, value bets out there and, and you know, have some fun. Sunday golf is fun. I can't lie. We're getting him, dude. We're getting him. I love it. And you know what? I'm not a Thursday through Saturday. I'm a, not a Thursday through Friday guy. I'll watch a Saturday, Saturday and Sunday. Um, I don't think many people are, right? Sunday is where it's really at. And I will say the new structure of the PGA where it's they, the top players have to be there, like, it really is making it a better product. And, like, there's these great finishes. And I think getting into a little bit of the story, like, having that Chico tie, like, that's bringing in somebody literally like now you have a dude and when you you as a casual sports fan you're going to see the the golf ticker on the bottom of ESPN or whatever you're watching you're going to see Kitayama and you're going to flip over and see how he's doing and like yeah. that's how it works I got a confession since we're on the topic of me um humbling myself before my boys um I'm starting to enjoy full swing 
(laughs) (laughs) It's all all coming around, man. I don't know what happened. The other night I couldn't sleep. Uh, Steph just bought us a TV for the bedroom. We haven't had one in our room in four years. So threw that in there, started falling asleep to full swing. Next thing you know, I'm three more episodes in. I'm like, damn, I'm kind of into this. <laughs> I apologize, guys. Season two has been greenlit for 2024. I saw that. I saw that. So, yeah, no, all right. It's it's starting to get its hooks in me a little bit, man. It is starting to get its hooks in me. Um, but the uh, um, Players' Championships this weekend, and I don't know how to bet on this at all. I know I always like guys uh, that are like, you know, a thousand and one odds um and just taking flyers you know that's that's where i'm at but what's your guys strategy help me a non uh a dude who's just getting into this help me understand your strategy behind betting golf so i usually what i do is i identify like a top tier guys that i like a grouping of top tier guys that i like and then some like long shots right and so I have my group of like three to four long shots where I lay a small wager on them and it's super fun to track it. And then if I'm going to lay something larger, I'll, I'll find some guys that I really have faith are going to at least put themselves in position to have a chance at it. And that's okay. really what it comes down to is you're, you know, trying to identify the exact winner. That's what you're doing with a single bet. But you're really, if you're, you're, you want to bet a handful of guys and you want to try to create a pool of guys that you think have a have a good chance to win and then you hope that those guys give themselves a shot because on a on a this is like a fifth major so this is a massive tournament and on a sunday you saw last week anything can happen in golf anything it's the one sport where time doesn't matter and it can go and it can take as long as it needs to take for you to get that ball in the hole and there's not no shot clock is going out so you got to do that and like anything can happen so this week like i really love john rom i just think he's an absolute animal he's my favorite player on tour he's a beast i love he, john rom he listens to wu-tang he's like he's yeah boy dude and he's like, from fucking spain i love yeah, Spaniards. Spain. went to asu he's a sun devil he he rocks the three-quarter swing which yes. all amateur yes. golfers should study and work on it eliminates so many variables when you get past your shoulders up in this area, you're waving a magic wand. You have no idea what you're doing. Yeah, He is yeah. the definition Guilty. of Guilty point A to point B compact power. His ball flight is fucking beautiful. He's one of the best players on tour. I love John Rom. I love Rory this week. I think Rory has something to prove. I think that he – I was listening to the Golf Channel guys, and he's kind of ascended into this mantle of the figurehead of the PGA. and he is taking on all these different kind of things, but I, I think that he's in a place right now where he's playing really good golf. And I just think with Rory, it's about, again, giving him a shot. If he's chasing, I actually like him much better because he has that dog in him. He's a fucking competitor. Roy McIlroy is the real deal. And when his golf game is on, he's the best golfer on the planet. No one drives the ball like him. No one strikes the irons like him. He is, he's the best when he is on. Guys like Max Homa are playing out of their mind right now. Um, you know, I, really, stand him. I cannot I, yeah, stand him. Max dude. Homa, fellow Jew, so I rep with him. Uh, well, shout out, shout out to my Jewish friends, but he's from LA, and I just I, I, true. No, thank you. Scotty no, Scheffler is like the new Big Easy. He's like the new Ernie Els. He's just always in control. Looks a little asleep, but 
He's always he's moving at the same tempo, and those guys are scary. When those get when your heartbeat doesn't change, and you know that he's just kind of going about it shot by shot. That in golf, that's demoralizing because you're grinding, and this guy's over here looking like he's wondering what time you know Sports Center is going to come on, and he's darting birdies in your face and just everything, you know. So I like those guys as a as a cluster of at the top there, um, and for a long shot. I got to go with my boy Ricky Fowler, dude. He's won there yeah. before. He's, like, got this little old man swagger back to him with his little dick mustache and is, like, he's, like, <laughs> changed up his gear. He's not super flamboyant anymore, and you can tell he's, like, dad mode now. And yeah. so I just – I think this is – I think it's classic. Like, he was so slated to win a major, and he didn't, and he won the players, which is, like, the fifth major. And, like, I could see him winning this. Like, I could just see him winning it, you know? Yeah, I, I I like that pick as well. Plus four plus four thousand for yeah. uh for Ricky Fowler to win it all. What I do like how I kind of treat golf betting. I, I almost look at it kind of like roulette, where it's like I'm not I'm not playing a certain one number. I'm not playing black or red. I'm playing a bunch of different numbers. I'm playing kind of the corners. I'm doing th- certain things because every odd free tournament in golf is up there. You're getting. I mean, the favorite to win this tournament is Rom or Rory. And they're at plus 900, right? Like there's good juice. It, it, it just shows you the level of how hard it is to actually win one of these things, right? But if you sprinkle in, like Aaron said, sprinkle in some top contenders, throw in, you know, my, my I put it in the rundown. Mine is Joel Dahlman. Yeah. Plus, plus 20,000. Let's go. To win this thing. But just again, from watching Full Swing, I don't know if you've gotten to that episode yet. He's he he's epic. He's, he's a guy that you want to root for. He's the everyman's golfer. Um, you know, famously quoted in, in full swing saying, Hey, you know, someone's got to be top 70 in, in the world at golf. It might as well be me, you know, like he's got no aspiration to be number one, but he has the skill set to be number one. I also like, uh, the, the past couple tournaments I've been cashing on have been top five or top 10 finishes. When you do it to start the tournament, you're still looking at between, you're still looking between plus 300 and plus 600. For top five finishes i think i think rory and rom are at plus 300 for a top five finish like that's still good juice you know what i mean like and and for them to look back on their last five tournaments especially for rom i mean winning two having two top five to uh another top 10 finish like he's been crushing it um so to put him at plus 300 for a top five finish i really like that but i'm i'm really looking uh my my sleeper to win it all this year plus 2800 victor hovlin the guy the guy has been, he's just, he looks like what, like he's, I don't know what his skincare routine is, but it's flawless. Like, I don't think that guy's ever had a pimple on his goddamn body. He's, he's got the arms of, of Rafael Nadal. Like he just crushes the ball. He, his short game's a little, eh, but at plus 2,800, you got to let it ride. He's been playing pretty well and you never, it's like I said, it's the player's championship. You got that famous TPC Sawgrass Island Green on 17. Like, you never know what can happen in this tournament. I really like Victor Hovland, plus 2,800. Lock it in. I love that. I have two more names. So, or two more bets that I like. I like Xander Shoffley as kind of a mid-tier guy. He's always in and around the pack. He's always hunting. I, I really, I think his game is super clean. And he he is always in and around the big, big tournaments. Um, and I would I would look at like a Kitayama top 10. Golf is so rhythmic that when you get into a flow, you'll see a lot of these guys who get their first win and they go on a little run. And it's because, oh, confidence is flowing. We just got a dub. 
we're we're in we're on we belong and that's the biggest psychological switch is i belong here now i won on the tour i'm just as good as any of these guys and i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna get it done and you that you can get that first win can carry you through a season so i wouldn't be surprised if he comes out and and it, again it's rhythmic this is a, this is a week later after a win he played phenomenal golf like that doesn't just go away especially when you're a pro like that and you're dialed in and you're you're staying on your shit like those type of, i look for that kind of like maybe trendy trend stuff like when i'm i'm also trying to identify some guys who has been playing well you know who's coming off of an injury who's making a swing change etc cetera, etc cetera, and who's winning you know and like if you've just won a tourney it's really hard to go back to back on the pga but you do see it and and it speaks to the that rhythm that you get in and it's you know when you win one man you you've got to be feeling like you belong and that's the biggest uh that's the biggest coach you can get that's the biggest you know biggest juice you can get so i like what Kitty is, what is kitayama at do you know what? uh i'm not sure I, i'd have to pull it up but I, I i just thought of it off the top of my head so but i like i like him at uh i like him to like a top he's at plus he's at plus nine thousand on bavada there you go and he just want to turn take a flyer bro that's what i'm saying yeah take 10, a flyer. 10 bucks to win 900. yeah and then yeah. there you go Joe. now you're invested yeah yeah, uh, I think I think tonight what I'm going to do is I'm going to take all your guys picks. I'm actually going to get my fiance in on this because she said uh, we're golfers now. <laughs> she's so keeper, excited. She's a keeper. Bro, I'm telling you, she's so excited to live this country club life. Like, I was like, I'm not even trying to do this for the bougie shit. She's like, oh, I am. Like, she's already on Sunday swagger picking out fucking new outfits i'm like bro let's start with getting you a set of clubs all right um <laughs> uh, yo i'm really excited about this weekend i'm definitely gonna get in on it i'm gonna take your guys picks yes sir go ahead yeah one more thing just for those who don't know tpc sawgrass is a gauntlet it is the most volatile golf course on the tour um year after year the island green is what everybody knows about 18 is an absolute monster dog leg left over the water you're landing it on freaking a five yard what feels like a five yard landing strip and you've got to you've got to fully commit you're gonna see some shit this weekend dude it is one of the best tournaments and it's 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 gonna be mayhem i i just it's gonna be awesome dude so that course is the real deal. Pete Dye, man, no, he is no joke. He's got a course out here at Carmel Valley that's beautiful. Same kind of super messes with your eye line a lot. It's almost like optical illusion. So these guys are going to be fighting the course just as much as each other. It's going to be sweet. Drew's hard right now. I am. I am. He's fully, <laughs> if, if he wasn't sitting down, dude, he was. He's looking like the preacher from Little Mermaid right now. <laughs> so uh, another another storyline mm. I kind of wanted to get into with this tournament. It's the first, like we say, it's it's not technically one of the four majors, but it's the people's major. It's it's considered a major amongst fans and players. Um, but this is the first tournament because it's not considered a major in the eyes of the B, uh, PGA. Almost said PGA there. Shout out BGA. Uh, live golfers that went over to live last year will be suspended for this tournament so cam smith who was you know one of the best golfers in the world last year arguably still is i mean we haven't really seen what he's been doing but he will not be there to defend his his championship i'm i kind of want i know jerome you're kind of 
new to the to the golf storylines and stuff, but I, I'm just interested to get kind of your guys' take on what this means for golf as far as rivalries, as far as is, is do you see kind of a change coming because the PGA wants the best players in their in their top major tournaments, or how do you guys see this playing out? So I I, I think that these guys who went over are I don't know. I mean, they got paid a ton of money. I get that. But with what the PGA has done with increasing their purse size, yeah, right? I don't think there's much of a gap right now. Like, yes, there's guaranteed money, no cuts, all that. I get that. But you can still, if you're one of the top players, Dustin Johnson, Cam Smith, like those guys are gonna be making shit tons of money on right. the PGA tour and in brand and in uh, endorsement deals, but they don't get to play for the prestige for what carries a career after you're done playing when you win majors you have a place in the game to monetize yourself well beyond your playing years and these guys gave that up and and, and personally like i i think it's i think you got to have a hard line and i think that you know i i don't judge those guys for taking the money do what you need to do for your family but at the same time i think this is the right play from the pga you almost make it even more like we are no one's even watching you guys we put this like we've been put you know what i mean and 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 the majors are they're career defining and but they, those new those new designated events like the new uh, you know huge purse coming out the what is it the pip list now of of how much you you've brought to the you know focus of the game or whatever you know they off commercial or, or yeah. scene appearances stuff like that ratings and viewership based obviously tigers winning every single year but other guys are still getting 10 15 million dollars out of these things all that is in part because of what these players have done and gone to live like for the last 60 years golf hasn't had another professional league to to compete with so in a sense live has brought on this change in the pga for the better so it's almost like they're they're a martyr in a sense. No, let's not make them a martyr because they didn't go over with that in mind. They went over with greed in mind. They went over with yes. money in mind. Not greed, whatever you want to call it. They went over because they they'll say a lot of them will say this is for my family. This is for the 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 you know the sets us up generations down the line. I get that, bro, and I I can't say that I wouldn't wouldn't do it as well, right? I don't know. I don't know. I have I will never be put in that position, right? But like you're right john they this did this was forced by live right by the creation of live so in a sense like you can say that that it it was beneficial i still think that you have to hold a hard line like yeah these guys are the sacrificial lambs they decided to do it all right go for it like thank you but you like the the pga has stepped up and made a better product and paid their players better because of this those guys are getting paid a shit ton of money and they're getting a casual lifestyle dustin johnson he was a competitor and he won majors but he never really feel felt like he i'm sure he was a dog and i'm sure he wanted to compete and all that but clearly like dude he's got paulina he's got his kids he's he's on the back end doing whatever he wants to do like so a lot of these guys will tell you they don't want to golf for the rest of their life yeah cocaine. yeah i think it it cocaine all has is whatever he wants to do <laughs> I think it's it's always dependent on the individual. I think a lot of athletes are wired that they want to be the best of the best. But there are some athletes that are like, this is the best way for me to make money, right? Like, I'm not doing it for the love of the game. I had a skill set for this, and, you know, I excelled, and I'm here 
to earn a living. But I do, we talked about it the other week, like live competition breeds innovation and the PGA had a chokehold on golf and these players weren't earn weren't getting their, what their earning power would be. Right. They weren't, they were not getting paid the way they should have. It's a much easier way to say that. <laughs> and so I think Liv was good for that. As far as these players being martyrs, absolutely not. They decided to go make a bunch of money and take the check. And I don't blame any of them for that. Do what you need to do. Do what you got to do. But um, ultimately, I think this is good for the PGA because they are going to pay these players more. And I think for for golf fans, right? The thing we care about at the end of the day is majors. That's how we remember you, right? And ultimately, that's how you are remembered. And, um, you know, for for your average golf fan, they only know the champions by their majors, right? They, we know, we know, we we know those guys. There's not so many. There's not a lot of guys from earlier generations that we still care about. Right. right. And as far as as far as a casual viewer, I mean, I, I feel like and maybe Aaron can attest to this, like I'm I'm very much into golf, very much into following the sport. But I'm still to Aaron's credit, I'm still a Saturday, Sunday watcher and mainly majors. Right. Like I'll yeah. watch the, you know, the waste management because of because of what it brings or, you know, obviously watching Arnold Palmer. I, I switched into that on Saturday, knowing that Kitayama was was in contention. Right. Like there's certain certain events that'll pull me in based off of who's doing what or or whatever but as far as as far as viewership i'm i'm tuning in for sure on those four majors and that's it so i just want this is a perfect example of how the majors define a, a career jordan spieth right the guy won i think three majors in this first like two years right he's been not a great golfer uh it, it, relatively speaking he hasn't won a ton after these majors he has not been he's been competing or he's been uh, in and around the hunt on a few of them but he hasn't really been in real contention but if he wins the players championship doesn't that complete the career grand slam for him isn't that right no, no he needs he's ha he has the open he has the open and the masters for sure i know that I I think he needs the US or the the PGA championship oh, okay so that, that's what i meant the, yeah the pga championship sorry but but he will he couldn't he, he could honestly not win another golf tournament and people will <laughs> consider him one of the greatest of, of all time because he won three majors I mean, it is so hard to win one let alone three and the guy did it in his first two years hasn't been great the last six and nobody cares really like he's still one of the biggest guys in the game. He's a top ten viewer pool, you know. Yeah, I I saw I saw a crazy and there's there's all kinds of these out there on the internet, but a Tiger Woods stat where if he just played 1999 and 2000 in golf and quit after that, and never played again, he would have four majors and 17 wins on tour. Yeah, that is insane. He was. Like people like Jero doesn't like Tiger Woods that much, right? I love like Tiger. He, anytime I've brought him up, you're just like, eh, you no, know, I've, shrug him off in the game of golf. I, I love Tiger. I just like to make fun of you because you always say Tiger's back. And aside from him, you know, winning the Masters, greatest comeback awesome. story of all time. Sure. Aside from ever. that, he has not been back. He's just going back to court, it looks like. So, yes, for sure. For sure. I mean, Tiger's <laughs> off, the, off the course stuff is, you know, stuff a legend. But, but what on the course it, stuff is also legend. I would argue that it's the most dominant any athlete has ever been in any sport. 
Serena Williams. Okay, the comparable. Like those two. And with what he did in the game of golf and the way that he did it, I mean, you can go back and watch some of these when he's fresh out of Stanford. He's hitting, he's hitting, dude, he's hitting three irons, 265 yards. He's in pitching, pitching wedge, pitching wedge is a 205 yards because he needs the loft to spit. I mean, unreal, unreal. The greatest golfer by far, no questions at all. And I would argue that his stretch when he was really doing his thing before he got in that car accident, he was the greatest and most dominant athlete in his sport ever. Are you guys are you guys buying into this new league that him and Rory are starting the the TGL? I think it's, it's uh, important. I think it's important that they try. Jarrell, have you heard this? No. So it's Enlighten it's me. a new it's a new show or a new um, competition or league that they're coming out with. With uh, I think it's the top top fifty players in the world. Um, they've already got you know Colin Morikawa, Rory. They've already you know Tony Finau. They've already got some really big names to sign on with. Um, but it's a Monday night league where it's different competitions as far as par threes. They're doing closest to the pin. They're doing putting challenges. Um, and they're creating a league with a point system and all that kind of stuff. Are you buying into that? Would you watch that? Yeah. Sounds is that fun. more your cup of is that more your cup of tea as far as as far as watching golf on television? Uh I don't I mean I've never seen it, so I can't tell you. Um but it sounds fun. It sounds different. And yeah, no, I mean, so listen, I like watching the match whenever they have that because it's a little more personal. Um, I like to hear how the pro golfers are setting their shots up. I like the shit talking. I like that. I do. I do appreciate some of the prestige behind golf, like masters on Sunday, all of that. I think it's way overboard and it, you know, reminds me of a dark time in American history <laughs> when things are all segregated. It gives me real racist vibes. Yeah, but a tournament called the Masters. What would yeah, give you that vibe? That's what I'm saying. But but with that said, I do appreciate some of the pomp and circumstances around golf. I just think it goes a little over the top at times, but I do I do uh, appreciate the weight and on a Sunday when it's tied going into the back nine, you have, you know, a couple major names vying for a major win or, you know, even just a tour win. I think that's compelling television. I will I will grant you guys that I am I am coming over to your side slowly but surely, reluctantly. Just, I mean, just the pressure like you gotta I like just trying to and I, I can't even really because I'm a horrible golfer, but like Trying to put yourself in a professional golfer's shoe, like you said, on a Sunday with uh, a stroke lead on the back nine, like no. the amount of pressure just to stand over that ball and swing. Like I'm trying to shoot a 90, I'm trying to shoot 89 and I'm at, I'm at, if I make this 10 foot putt, it's a 90 or it's an 89 or it's a 90 and I'm shaking and it's just three of my friends watching me on a muni course. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, to, like that's why I love like, Brooks. A, a great example. He's all I mean, of us. He's oh, a psychopath. Man. He what is a, head a total head case. And so am I. Like, but I, 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 I really, I really thought about it with, with Kitayama this, this last weekend, you know, his, putt, bro, his shot, 35 feet out, bro. Well, the, the shot leading into that putt, he's in yes. the rough. Yes. He's got, he has the water on the right. Yeah. Like he, he needs to make, and that, that green is really long. Like, he does a smart, savvy, vetty move 
and just essentially lays up on the short part of the green, you know? And at first I'm like, Ugh, giving yourself a 47, two putt, 47 foot two putt to win a tournament is still a lot of pressure. And to put it one rotation less of draining that birdie, Man. God, I wish that would have went in, but how dope of a move to put a quarter yeah. in a half an inch away from the cup yes. just to get your praise, dude. Like yes. that was a big flip off to Victor Hovland. Like, Hey, hit Victor, like try to shoot three or four more times before you get in the cup. So I can just breathe this into the cup. I fucking loved it, bro. We were fucking going nuts up here, man. We were having we were having so much fun. That was the most fun I've had watching golf since that since uh Tiger won the Masters. What was that? 18? 18 or 19? Yeah. I think it was 19. Yeah, so I just I actually just signed up for my first uh NCGA NorCal amateur tournament. And so I I've, I've been grinding and you know, I, my handicap is a five, five. So I'm in the second tier and I'm looking at the scores and like plus two plus three wins these things. And that's like, that's, that's doable for sure. You know, but it's, Wait, it's handicap adjusted plus two plus three. So you're playing in these it's, it's, you don't get your handicap, but you get flighted with your index uh, range. So my range is 3.9 to 7.7. .7. So any player who has a index uh, handicap in between 3.9 and 7.7 .7 will play in that flight at at scratch okay. yeah we'll play stroke stroke play um and so i'm playing up at calipe preserve on the first the day before my birthday so i'm excited man so i'm, I'm like going into practice mode grinding and i've been been getting after it so i'm i'm, I'm super excited drew we should go out and do a live uh follow through his 18. <laughs> when is this April 1st on uh, Saturday at 7 a.m. Oh, we'll and be in San Diego. You'll be at my bachelor party, bro. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll, send you, I'll send you guys updates, but I'm super excited. Please do, I, actually. I want to get back into competition, and, like, I'm I'm – I'm I'm interested to see like what if I am putting up a good round and and 17 and 18 come around and like I know I'm within a stroke or I'm leading or whatever. Like that's I can't wait to hopefully yeah. feel that again. Like I haven't felt that in years in sports, so I'm I'm excited, man. I love it. I love that for you. Um, I don't know what it is. Yeah, I'm I'm in. I'm in, guys. I'm in. I I we got him, John. Saturday golf or what? It's happened. It's happened. I don't it. know about that just yet. Uh <laughs> but we're supposed to have an atmospheric river here. So uh I don't think I'm going very far this weekend, which will be nice. I might end up watching Saturday golf. <laughs> we'll see. I'll keep you guys posted. Uh yeah, we've been I've I don't know. I I feel like we're in a good rhythm here. We have the NCAA tournament coming up. Do we really want to talk about that right now? We'll be on a week from now, and it still will have not officially. I guess it will have started. But I kind of want to save that, if you guys are good with that. Are you dying to get this Lamar Jackson taken, or where are you at with that? I mean, now that you brought it up, I might as well just touch on it. I just, I, I, I just kind of want to <laughs> really laid a dead fish right <laughs> yeah. in your lap. I'm like, hey, fucking deal with that. All right. Yeah. Do you want it? And I'll be like, no, that'll make her for great audio. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. That was a terrible job by me. No, so, I, I mean, I'm sure you guys have heard Lamar Jackson. I just want to kind of get your take on this, especially with Derek Carr and Daniel Jones just getting contracts yesterday. Um, both respectively, I think Derek Carr was four years 150 million um daniel jones was four years 160 million with like 30 or 40 million in incentives um daniel jones after after seeing this contract come out i looked up daniel jones stats last year 
3,200 yards. He only threw 15 touchdown passes last year. 15. And he got paid 160. I blame Jared Goff is what I do. I blame Jared Goff for this. But Lamar Jackson has been non-exclusively franchise tagged uh, by the Ravens. And that franchise tag is about $32.5 million. So any team, because of the non-exclusive franchise tag, any team can go out and offer him a contract. The Ravens have an opportunity to match that contract. Or if they don't want to match that contract, they give up two first-round picks. And multiple teams have already come out and said that they're not interested in that. They, they, they don't want Lamar. I'm just, I, I, it, there has to be something here because I'm just flabbergasted how a 26-year-old unanimous MVP that has taken the Ravens in one of the toughest divisions of football in the last 10 years to multiple playoff runs, multiple, you know, number one, number two, number three seed in the AFC, like, especially with that offense with no no receiving core, a, a injury-riddled backfield, like, he has done everything for that team. And the fact that no one is interested, like what the hell is going on? Well, I think I, I think the asking price is too high. I think Lamar Jackson made the mistake of looking at Deshaun Watson's contract and thinking if this uh, pervert can get signed for 230 million guaranteed, I'm a former MVP. I should, I should get more than that. And the problem is he doesn't have an agent who can go and test the market for him and come back to him with some real intel and say, this is what your market value is currently at. What do you want to do? Right? Like this is what, this is where you're about valued. This is what I think, this is what I believe we can get. This is what I believe we have the power to negotiate. He doesn't have that. And so I think he looks at that Deshaun Watson deal and thinks he's deserving. And on the surface, you're talking about a young quarterback, an MVP quarterback. The one thing on that Ravens team that was brilliant last year when he played. Um, and I think he's looking at that money and like, yeah, I should get that. And it's not surprising that teams aren't interested. You have a guy who's missed 10 games the last two years, or I think maybe more, right? So I'm not surprised necessarily that, that he's not getting more bites because I think the price tag is just too high. But is Danny Dimes at forty million a year? Like you can't That's tell. That's what I'm you, saying. Like you can't. You can't like, right. Yeah. No, you're right. Like, you're right. Like you're right. That's you know, a great I, counterpoint. I can. I can. <laughs> I can and even D Derek Carr. Like Derek Carr has has put up numbers over his career. But what is he like? He's he hasn't proven to be no. really anything but Did a mid level you, tier quarterback. And him getting 150 and 100 of that is guaranteed. Like. Did you guys see the side-by-side -side comparison of Derek Carr's stats last year and uh, the combination of um, Jameis Winston and uh, the Red Rifle? They're nearly identical. In fact, um, the stats for uh, Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston it was slightly favored towards them. Yeah. And so, I mean, you're right. When, when you see these numbers flying around, it is surprising someone's not willing to give a bag to Lamar Jackson. Um, I understand a team like the Niners not wanting to do that, but also like you're going to the Super Bowl if you do. <laughs> that yeah, I would mean, be insane. You're gonna lose everyone two years from now, but yeah. you would win, you would at least be in the Super Bowl with a healthy Lamar Jackson next year. Yeah, I mean that that came across my mind obviously as a Niners fan. Like, how do we make that possible? I don't know. It's even not know going to, but it's not going to be I found Osa, Jets, Lance found and a first round pick. Yeah, but if I'm the Jets, 
Yeah. Like, Give him the bag. What Give are we doing here? Give him a bag. Like you, you j- just get rid of Mama's boy, right? Joe Lamar Flacco, Jackson would be the best quarterback in the history of the Jets franchise. The moment he signed the Absolutely. dotted on the dotted line, and the moment he probably up. after season one, and he would look sick in a Jets jersey. He would. He would. I and think that, he would look sick. That dude. That. He's yeah. I mean, he plays in a cold weather city. He's right. used to playing in a playoff. Yeah, I, I think the Jets make by far the most sense. Give that man a bag. Your best quarterback of all time is who? Brett Favre. Joe Namath. Joe Namath. I mean, was Joe Namath that great? Let's. I mean, honestly, he wasn't. He has he has more interceptions yeah. than touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it, <laughs> it really. It's been so bleak. Give that man the bag. Get whatever Sanchez. he wants. Mark Name the stadium. Yeah. And that's not even a joke. Mark, well, Mark Sanchez Pennington is a top five all time New Chad York Jet quarterback. Chad Pennington. Chad yeah. Pennington was legit. Vinny Testaverde. Vinny Testaverde. You know? and, and that's <laughs> all of them. That is the Wayne entire Kerbet. list. Oh, no, he was a wide receiver. He was just white. Is that why you got him confused? <laughs> you got it mixed up, John. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was a white skill position. Ah. Quarterback. Right. <laughs> My bad. Oh man. But I mean, what you got Garrett Wilson there. The running back is is that defensive uh, line and Quinn Williams. And Sauce, yeah. Sauce is a beast. Like yeah. Give him know. the bag. Yeah. Give him the bag. Oh man. If, I might root for the Jets if Lamar goes to the Jets. I'm saying I it right would. now. They'd be I my would. AFC team. Yeah. Yeah. And he could um, just torment Bill Belichick for the next seven years. If I'm Miami, I would give him the bag too. Absolutely. What do we, what do Tua, what do we like? I love what he is, and I think he's a great quarterback, but there's ser- like, we might have an Andrew Luck situation on our hands here. He's small and he gets concussed, and he's been chronically injured dating yep. back to college. Yep. Coming into college, he was injured, right? Yep. So, yeah, I mean, someone pony up the money, give Lamar the bag. Funny That's how all- that, that Tua Jalen Hurts thing played out from the days of Alabama and like the unwanted one has become the absolute savage. Yeah. Pretty incredible. It's wild. Yeah. I love Jalen Hurts, even though he beat us. Sports. 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 Anyways, happy woman's day to everybody. We love you. Thank you for listening. And uh, we'll be back next week with the bracket for March madness. So get those bad boys ready. Yes, sir. It's been real, y'all. And really trying to work through that, you know, speaking with my therapist and, and all that. And, and I do think like when you when you do speak with a therapist, like you start tapping into spaces that are you haven't tapped into to heal. And it like there's such a residual effect when you open up that space and then you have to go about your week. And it's like you don't realize how much going into that space like really does affect you you know and so um yeah and to be perfectly honest we don't talk as men like i don't call my friends and be like hey you know like not doing so hot right now like right doing you know and it's like we need to like we we say we need to demystify it and it's demystified but we don't fucking do it right well it's it's too like in like my experience like it's tough to call 
someone it's like you never want to be a wet blanket to someone exactly you know exactly. like oh how, how's it how's it going it's like i mean do you really want to fucking know or do yeah, you want me to just exactly. be like oh dude yeah. it's good dude fucking and, just and grinding always, at work yeah and i always <laughs> yeah. think like i don't want to bother this person right but then i always think about myself like if one of you guys called me and was like hey bro like i'm really struggling right now like my first instinct is to be like what's good homie like yeah right. you know like so i think when like for me i have to always remind myself like my true people, like they're my people because I I pretty much damn know that like unless they're in a serious moment themselves, they'll put aside a, a ten minutes for me, you know. Right. But but like you said, you don't want to be a, a wet blanket. You know? Yeah, you don't want to be someone else's burden. Right. Yeah. Right. But I mean, again, I try to flip it, and it's like if if I was that person that was receiving the call, and my friend was really in a place, like I wouldn't feel that way you know no but i think it's easier being on the receiving end right like it's easier to allow your homie to be vulnerable than to be vulnerable yourself you know what i mean and yeah. so i really try over the last year or so like put into practice like opening myself up and being a little more vulnerable with my friends to allow them to be vulnerable as well they sometimes it is i just need to get shit off my chest um but just to allow them the comfort and knowing like yo i'm going through it too like you know some things are going really well other shit is rocky bro you know like that's life you know what i'm saying and i think like uh as someone who's had depression is my entire adult life and certainly going back to my childhood but uh i struggle with that too you know what i mean like i do struggle like just picking up a phone and being like hey man you got a minute i'm going through some shit i just need to get it off my chest like i don't even need you to have the answers i just need to talk and that's yeah really hard for me to do and i think it's really hard for men to do in general <laughs> you know what i'm saying for sure and like i know for me i've done a real good job over the years of like scripting my vulnerability so you get like just a piece of it but you yeah. don't really get like the full where i'm right, really yeah the, the surface the surface level vulnerability and it's like and i catch myself like literally saying the same shit that like because i think i'm being vulnerable and i'm opening up but it's like no it's like literally my subconscious and my conscious has written this script to keep yeah. me safe you know yeah it, it's a trip man like and then unpacking that stuff if you are really working on yourself and working through therapy and stuff like that like it it's really healing and good but like i said like i'm i feel it a, a week and week two or two down the line like whoa all of a sudden i'm like dude like i'm like emotionally spent and just tapped and i mm -hmm. and so i think yeah it's it's a it's a process and it's a practice and i think being connected through friends and doing creative stuff like a podcast is like super healthy for me uh just to break up that that time where i get into my head you know and and i think all of us do it you know Happy, na happy national women's day huh <laughs> i know i just i got my feminine energy flowing right now dude <laughs> we sound like a bunch of bitches <laughs> <laughs>